Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one come and he snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to You again because You and You alone have the words of life, God. We pray that You would open our eyes that we might be able to see these words and that we might be able to see You and Your glory and that You would open our ears that we might be able to hear of Your grace, God. Would you do that work these very moments? Amen. 
Some years ago, Rachel, my wife, and I were in Hong Kong doing some missionary work. There were some uh, underground pastors from mainland China would come to a safe house in Hong Kong. We would do some teaching to them. And we, we were there for uh, quite some time. So we'd go to town and get some groceries and then come back. And the, the street that we were living on was called Hong Kong Lane, which was maybe half a mile or so from a golf course. Now, in China, it's a tonal language. So you have your inflections up and your inflections down and kind of a circumflex and then flat. And so you could say the word, the same word with different inflections and it would mean entirely different things. So you go up and it would be horse. You go down and it would be cop. You know, what it, you get what I'm saying. So we would go to the taxi driver and say, Tong Kong Lane. And they would look at it. We go, okay, let's try to do Tong Kong Lane. No, nothing. Tong Kong Lane, nothing. He would just stare at us, <laughs> utterly, utterly confused. But, you know, we're, we're, we're trying our best to, to embrace the culture, and we have to eventually give up. And so we go, golf course. Oh, oh, Tong Kong Lane. Like, no, we just said that, Tong Kong Lane. And you go, Tong Kong Lane. Yes, Tong Kong Lane. Ah, oh, yes, yes. We were there, and we heard the words, but we couldn't understand them. It was as though there were a veil over our ears. We heard them, but we could not understand them. Months we lived there, we would hear these words. We could not understand them. Week after week, we made fools of ourselves, simply because we had a veil over our ears. We see this same thing in our text this morning. You have a parable which is rather easy to understand. Some people receive the word. Other people do not receive the word. It drives us into the main point, what we're going to be driving home, that I think you're able to, to resonate with you this week. You receive the word of God. Receive the word of God and act upon it. Receive the Word of God and act upon it. You see this in three different sections. It kind of it has an ABA type of structure to this passage. The first part is Jesus Christ just telling the story. Verses 1-9. through nine. Then we get to the next group, which is this veil over their eyes. Verses 10-17. through 17. Some people hear this story and they understand it. Some people hear this story and they do not understand it. Why is it that some hear and they believe other people hear? Some of you guys, perhaps, and you do not yet believe. Why is that? We're going to be looking at that rather difficult question. And then finally, he finishes with the challenge. Wrapping it up in verses 18 through 23. You have four different types of soil. Which one are you going to be? Which one are you going to be? Kind of give it a little recap of where we've been going throughout the book of Matthew. Give a little overview. We start off with this idea of the kingdom of heaven. We have the, the kingdoms of earth, and everybody knows about them, but you have a kingdom of heaven that is coming down from the throne room of God and establishing itself in earth. And you see little pockets of it arising here and there. So you have John the Baptist. What is he doing? He's telling them to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Jesus Christ begins His ministry. He leaves Nazareth, goes a little bit to the north, a little bit to the east, settles in Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. And what are the first words out of His mouth to start His ministry? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And He goes and He teaches them and He demonstrates what this kingdom looks like. Not surprisingly, you have this gentleman who's brought to Him. Christ calls to them, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, so that you can find rest. Very soon afterwards, you have a gentleman who is blind and mute and demon-possessed, and he is brought to Him. We see that in chapter 12. And Christ heals this man, and at that point you have this opposition that is rising up out of the Pharisees. Men who refuse to believe what Jesus Christ is doing. So much so that they see this work of Jesus Christ and they call it the work of Satan. That's in light of this opposition that Jesus now begins to teach them about the kingdom of heaven in parables. And in doing so, He opens the eyes of those who can see and He reveals the eyes of those who are blind. So with that in mind, Let's go back and reread verses 1 through 9, the story. That same day, Jesus went out from the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun arose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell on the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good ground and produced a grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And you can, you can just see Jesus in your mind, sitting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's just there. He sits down. But being a man of in, intrigue, it doesn't take long until the, the crowds again come to Him and again they press on Him. So what does He do? Again, He teaches them. He it's on, on a boat, goes out a little ways from the shore, and just sits down. It's not this standing up in front of them. No, just quite meekly, quite mildly sitting down, just sharing these stories with them. And the parables, as we, we're going to be looking in the next several weeks and looking at these parables, and parables were a very common way of teaching for the Jewish people. The way they would use them is that they would make their main point and then have the parable as an illustration to that main point. But Jesus Christ, the way He's using these parables, is that the parables themselves become the means of the teaching. And that's the beautiful thing. So we've been seeing how the kingdom of heaven is coming down to earth. And these parables are verbal expressions, verbal pictures of the kingdom of heaven coming down into these common situations of life. So we've been seeing how you would heal somebody, and that's a picture of the kingdom of heaven coming down. We have the Sermon on the Mount. What does that look like for the kingdom of heaven to come down? Same thing with these parables. 
They're a verbal picture of what it looks like to have the kingdom of heaven come down into these common, common situations. So here we see the story. And it's, it's actually quite simple. A sower goes out to sow. Farmers, that's what they do. They cast seed. And some of the, some of the seed falls on the path. And the birds come and they devour it right away. It doesn't even have a chance. It doesn't even germinate. It doesn't even come into the ground whatsoever. The birds come and devour it and it's gone. Some falls on the rocky ground where it didn't have much depth of soil. And so you see the very conditions that made it arise rather quickly are actually the same conditions that lead it to be scorched when the sun comes down or when the sun arises and the light comes down upon it. Thus, you also have the thorns as well. And the soil actually might be rather good here. But you have the thorns there, and they come and they, they grow around it, and it's, it's doing its best to come out, but these, these thorns come around it and choke it out, and they kill it. And finally, finally, you get to the good soil. And it has its yield of a hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold of the original grain that was cast. And when the parable is left like that, it's actually somewhat ambiguous, but somewhat easy to understand. Jesus Christ is the sower. He has for some time been preaching about the kingdom of heaven, demonstrating what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he's been preaching, and the, the word of the kingdom is going forth, and it's landing on the path, and the, the rocky ground, and the thorns, and in the good soil. And we see this continue on throughout history as the people are filled with the Spirit of Christ go forth. And what you see is beginning as a movement of Jewish people in Jerusalem quickly spreads. They go to the north and you see Samaritans, those evil Samaritans, those dogs. They're converted. You go down to the south, the eunuch, an Ethiopian eunuch, converted. And you see him go forth to Iconium, Lystra, Derby, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, and on to Rome, which is the powder keg to spread throughout the whole kingdom. And the gospel is going forth. The word is being cast, cast forth. And it goes forth, and it goes, and it goes to Berlin, and London, and to Shanghai, Manila, and Phnom Penh. The gospel is going forth. Friends, recklessly, Share the gospel. Cast it forth. You don't know where it will land. You don't know if they are the path. You don't know if they are the good soil. Are you going to judge their hearts? No. Cast the seed. Recklessly cast it forth. And let God do the work. He's the one that makes it grow. To share the gospel. My friends. Sweet. We see the seed going forth. Who's the one that determines what the soil is like, though? Who makes the path the path? And who makes the rocky ground the rocky ground? The path didn't make itself a path. The good soil didn't till itself, did it? No. Why can some people hear the word, hear the gospel, and believe it, while others do not. 
Why are some of you hearing the word of God and believing it while some of you do not? You've grown up in church and you've heard a multitude of sermons that you still do not yet believe. To answer that, let's go back to the text. Verses 10 through 17. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now remember, as we're moving through the book of Matthew, we we know about the parables, and they're rather familiar, but this is the first one that we're encountering in the Gospel of Matthew. And you see that it's, it's not the substance, my friends. It's not the substance of the parables, but rather it was the condition of the hearer that determined if they were going to be received or not. So the cause of the hardening was not because parables were all of a sudden being used, but rather, as we see it, they didn't receive it because seeing they did not see and hearing that they did, they did not hear. And it wasn't just the parables that they rejected. No, no, no. Look in the Old Testament. For centuries, who did they reject? The prophets. They would stone them. You send more to them, they would stone them. John the Baptist. They rejected him as well. Jesus Christ comes. They ask for a sign. He's already given a multitude of signs to them. They reject him. So it's not the parables that are somehow shrouding this mysterious truth. No, 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 no. The point of the parables is to illustrate truth that has already been demonstrated. That's what you see going forth. So these parables are demonstrating the blindness of their eyes and the deafness of their ears, and thus they are fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah, which is quite intriguing. You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. And it goes on. Now, the context of this quote in Isaiah is when he's called into ministry. In Isaiah 6, you see he's called and he's shown the throne room of God. And he says, Woe am I. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that's his call to ministry. And it sounds rather intriguing. Okay, so what this, what's this going to look like? God answers him. 
And you see why Isaiah had the appearance of an unfruitful ministry. He's calling the people to repent. Yeah, they didn't exactly repent. He warns them of Babylon to come. They still don't get it. Why? Why didn't they listen in the days of Isaiah? Because hearing, they will never understand. And seeing, they will not perceive. It's like hearing. Tong Kong Lane, Tong Kong Lane, Tong Kong Lane. Where you, you hear it and you hear it and you go, it just doesn't resonate. It doesn't register whatsoever. And these are true in the days of Isaiah. It was true in the first century as Jesus Christ is walking on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And it is true perhaps even in our midst. So let's ask the question. That's quite pressing and laying before us with a text like this. Who is the acting agent of this hardness? Who is the acting agent of this hardness? To answer that, let's just take a step back. Who is the acting agent in creation? You have the light and darkness. You have the, the sea and the sky coming forth. You have the sun, the moon, the stars and the planets. You have birds and fish and then, then, then animals and Adam created on day six. Who is the acting agent in all of that? Who is the acting agent in sustaining all of this creation? But the sun will still hold still and the earth will still spin around the sun. Not too far, not too close so that right now, praise be to God, our neglected tomato plants can still ripen tomatoes. What a marvelous thing. Who is the one, the acting agent, that can send forth His Son as a propitiation for our sin, to pay the punishment for our sin? Who is the acting agent in that? Well, it's God. Who is the acting agent in sending forth the Spirit, the Father and the Son, sending forth the Spirit? Well, it's God. Let's look on the other side of that same coin. Those who cannot see and those who cannot hear cannot do it apart from the saving work of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and try to do all of the good works that you want. Try to do it. Apart from the saving work, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, you will not receive the Gospel. And as you share the Gospel, it's actually those who do so many good works, they're the ones that can oftentimes be the hardest. Because they think they're doing it in and of themselves. But will they receive the word? Well, that's up to the Spirit. That's up to God. So does this leave you without hope then? No. Not at all. It actually gives you more hope because you don't have to rely on other people. You don't have to trust other people that they would change their own hearts. So your children are walking in rebellion against God. What is your hope? Your hope isn't that they would change their hearts because you certainly didn't change your own hearts. No, no. But you have hope. Why? Because God and God alone will change their hearts. God is the one that can remove the veil. God alone. So you see the sovereignty of God is not some 
callous, heartless doctrine. No, no. It's our source of hope. It's our source of hope. As we, we read about this blindness, it just calls you to thank God. Thank God that He has enlightened your eyes that you might see and softened your heart that you might receive the Word of God. And this is why we pray. We pray for others and we, we pray for ourselves. We pray that others would receive the Word of the Kingdom and we, we, we share it with our family, with our co-workers, with our friends. I, I share the Gospel all the time with my co-worker, Adam. And this is why we, we pray that we too would be able to receive the Word of God. Apart from God's grace, you are the path. Apart from God's grace, you are the rocky ground. You are being choked out by thorns. And this is why we pray to God that His Spirit would enlighten us to receive the Word. So you go to Acts 10. Peter gets his vision and he goes to Cornelius, this Roman, this Roman Gentile, most unlikely of culprits. What does Luke write? While Peter was still saying these things, giving him the gospel, while Peter was still saying these things, what happens? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And it was only because of the Holy Spirit fell that they were able to receive that. Luther was right. We're a bunch of spiritual beggars. We're blind. We can't hear apart from the work of the Holy Spirit upon us. So we've, we've seen this, this story of the sower. He's casting the seed upon the, the path, the rocky ground, and some among the thorns, and praise be to God, some among the good soil. Some, they had a veil over their eyes. And they, they, they just couldn't see it. or they, they couldn't hear it. But to those whom it had been granted, he explains this parable. And to you it has been granted because he gives it to us in his word. So finally, we have this challenge. Let's go back to the text here. Verses 18 through 23. Verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what had been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for the one, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while. And when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. It's for the one that was sown among the thorns. This is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves, it proves unfruitful. That's for what was sown on the good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in the one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. And as we understand this, 
this teaching, this, this parable in light of what's been happening. And in the context, don't forget the context, it's rising opposition. Calling Jesus Christ Satan for His work in healing a man. Calling Him Satan. In this context, we understand these parables not to be merely a teaching, my friends, but no, they are a challenge. They are a challenge. In the face of this rising opposition, He is forcing them to make a decision. He is forcing you to make a decision. What type of soil are you going to be? What type of soil am I going to be? And the gospel goes forth and falls along the path. And you hear the gospel, but Satan takes it away from you before you even know it. And, and quite frankly, you don't even care. Remember what, what Paul writes to the church in Corinth. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. By the degree of God and by their own joy, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to His people, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I hope it is not folly to you. The gospel is going forth. It's not only the path, but it falls, it falls on the rocky ground and it springs up and it comes to life. But when the outside persecution comes, what happens? What happens? It withers away under the heat of the sun. So what does this look like? A shameless plug for school of theology. As uh, last semester, we were studying uh, church history and you would read about him. By the score, men and women would fall away under this external pressure. When the persecution rose, they would fall away. It would, be, it would be too great for them. And they would rather absolve themselves from the judgment of man than the judgment of God. They would rather free themselves from the fires of man and endure for some reason, because they are blind, they would rather endure the fires of God than the fires of men. That wasn't always the case. That wasn't always the case. Some were faithful to the end. Hugh Latimer was a minister in London, as was Nicholas Ridley. Nicholas Ridley was actually a bishop of Rochester, obviously not this one, but one in, in England. Went on to then be the, the bishop in London as well. And the Oxford persecutions were rising in the 1550s. Good, godly men were being burned at the stake by the score. And on October 16, 1555, Hugh Latimer cries out to Master Ridley, who's his comrade in arms for the gospel, tied up in the stake beside him. And he says, Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light a candle in England, as I pray, by the grace of God that shall never go out. For hundreds of years, hundreds of years, it didn't. But it became a consuming fire for revival through the land. These men understood that the word of the God was more precious to themselves and enduring the fires of men, they received the glories of God. They were not cast among the thorns. Amongst the 
soil, but you do see it here in the thorns, and it's actually good soil, but these internal desires, this desire for the riches of the world, this deceitfulness comes and chokes us out. And what does it look like? What does this look like in our lives? Well, just think about it. What do you do throughout the day? Think of your day, yesterday. Think of it. If ever, if ever, there is a day in which you are not receiving the Word of God, ingesting the Word of God, think about what you did that day. And everything you did that day, when you did not receive the Word of God, you are declaring that that is more important than the Word of God in your life. If ever you have a day when you are not receiving the Word of God, tell me what you did, and I'll point out some idols in your life. They might not be stone, they might not be bricks, they might not be gold, but you bow down to them with your heart. Receive the Word of God. Do not let these desires for riches or for career ambitions come before your time to make time to commune with God, to receive the Word of God. My friends, receive the Word of God. I would rather have you fail out of medical school than receive the Word of God. I'd rather have you be fired and receive the Word of God. Live in a dirty house and receive the Word of God. Don't be thorns. But finally, by the breaks of God, we see of all these different categories, we finally come to the good soil. Finally. And the soil that was once hard, was once a path, has been prepared by the Spirit. The soil that once had rocks in it and, and thorns growing out of it has been cleared out by the Spirit and it becomes good. And this is the one who receives the Word of God and he acts upon it. So listen to this. Which one will you be? Which one will you be? You're, you're hearing now the, the Word of God. It's, it's no accident that we read the text beforehand. We read it throughout the sermon. We are bringing forth the Word of God. Of call of worship, we're bringing forth the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Because faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word. The Word of Christ. And what is this Word? Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to Scripture. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. And if this is a delight, I've been dropping some heavy hammers here. If this is a delight to your heart, good. Rejoice. Rejoice that, that God is at work in you. And for many of you, this is a, this amazing church. It's humble to be, humbling to be a part of you. We have some among you who are taking in orphans, giving up nights of sleep. Some among you who are learning Arabic so that you might minister to Muslims and share the gospel to them in their own mother tongue. That is the evidence that you are good soil. And many of you leading your families in times of family devotion. You set everything aside and you gather the children and you sit down and they're squirming around and it's rather distracting and sometimes frustrating, but cultivating. That is the evidence 
of good soil. Many of you are gifted in this manner. Praise be to God. But remember, friends, remember that good soil produces a crop season after season after season. Never look back to some season of righteousness and assume that you are still now the good soil. Currently producing crops of righteousness. So friends, endure. Endure to the end. And pray that God would remove this veil. Pray that God would remove this veil from your eyes. That God would remove the veil from your ears. That you would be able to hear the Word of God and bear fruit, displaying the glory of God. Living out the Kingdom of God in your life. Friends, hear what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. Hold fast. Hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ you may be proud that you did not labor in vain. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would cultivate our hearts that we would be good soil. It is you and you alone that can plow our hearts, God. How often do we come running back to our sin, God? I pray that we would get on our knees and just crawl back to you, God. That we would openly confess our sin during this time of worship coming up, God. That you would prepare our hearts to receive your word, not only this day, but throughout the rest of our lives, God. I pray that we would endure and endure to the end. Amen. A few hundred years ago, the reformers responded to get the Catholic Church who taught that communion represented, not just represented, was actually Jesus' body, the bread turning into Jesus' body, and the wine turning into Jesus' blood. And one reformer named Ulrich Zwingli said, no, it's merely a symbol. And people have grabbed onto that merely and ran with it, saying, oh, he doesn't believe it does anything. And sometimes we can feel that way too. We do this every single week, and it's just merely a little tiny piece of bread and merely a tiny cup of wine. It's not really a big deal. But as Jake said, when you have eyes to see, ears to hear, it becomes more than merely